Hello everyone and welcome back to TVO. On today's episode we're doing Star Wars Visions Season 2 and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. So we'll start with um, Star Wars Vision because that's the one I saw first. Um, and Season 2, pretty good. I actually really enjoyed Season 2. Uh, my favourite episodes were Sif, which was the first one. Uh, Journey, Journey to the Dark Head, which was the fifth episode. Uh, and what was the other one that I really liked? Uh, oh, the, uh, the, the Spy Dancer, which was the sixth episode. Those were my top three episodes of um, Star Wars Visions. Um, I liked all of them. I didn't have any problem with any of them. I think some were just decent. Um, but those were like the, the three that I really enjoyed. Uh, and yeah, uh, <laughs> I don't know what to say really. Uh, they, I love the art styles of some of these shows. Like, uh, oh fuck. I like Ardman's one, which was I Am Your Mother, which was uh, about uh, a little pilot trying to do a race with his with her her mum and the mum's embarrassing and it's just like I don't want to have my embarrassing mum fly with me in this parent student race and it felt very um Ardman because the well one the art style of claymation which I can't tell if it was like I assume I assume Ardman's kind of like gone away from like full stop motion and kind of doing like the the it the, the claymation but CGI appeal I still don't know if they do full CG, uh, full uh, claymation, but it it was nice. It it wasn't the best one. I feel like it was a very simple story that, like, you can show a kid and they go, "Yep, makes sense." My parents are always going to embarrass me, but that doesn't mean they're not good, and it's not worth having them there. Then let's talk about the Sith because that that's one of the better one. That's one of the best ones, in my opinion. Uh, where a a former Sith apprentice called Lola uh, has rejected the dark side and lives on solitude on a desolate planet with her droid E2. Um, and she's trying to paint stuff. Um, but dark smudges keep coming into it and she doesn't know why. At first I didn't know why. I thought she was like going to turn to the dark side. I don't know. Because I, I don't think you get the... She's a former Sith. I think it's very implied because she's got an Imperial droid. Um, but then so does Cassie Nandor, and he's not uh, on the dark side. He's on the light. Uh, yeah. I like that little droid. That little droid was cool. I like how it little has a little gun in its face. Um, but yeah, and then it's very simple because they're all like 15-minute episodes. I don't think anything's longer than 20. And so they all just kind of... Um, they they the, the reason I like this one is because there's one shot where it's like free Sif and they're standing and it's like a it looks like a shot from Destiny. It looks very Destiny like where they have the helmets on, they're standing there, they've got like like their lightsabers out and stuff like that and they just come and it just it's a shot on a planet. It just looks so Destiny like. And then yeah, it ends in I think it ends a similar way to uh the Obi-Wan versus Darth Maul fight in one of those shows one of the TV animated things where it's like this big build up and you think it's going to be a big epic fight and then it just kind of ends with one one cut which I like because it, 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 the fight is kind of like a, a duel where or like a chess match where there's a like you can you build all the moves in your head but you know if you play a certain way you know you've lost or you know you've won and so like 
you can't beat it in that sense. It's like you've planned all your moves and the other person's planned all their moves and one person will come out on top, basically, <laughs> depending on who who has the upper hand and who starts and whatnot and who who knows the playing field well enough. So yeah, that one was really good. Uh, Screech's Reach. There's one moment in this that I, f- I, f- the, I think the art style is good on this one. Didn't love the characters. I think they were kind of cool. Not really super interesting. Uh, the ghost in the cave thing. Okay, so basically there's like a little, like they're in a sweatshop basically and they break out and then they go on a little drive and they try and find a cave because one of the the main lead girl is um, getting led there by a stone or some sort of locket thing that she has. And it's like, go to this cave. You need to go to this cave. Uh, and so you're like, oh, okay. And then they run into the ghost, which is like the haunted thing in the cave. And it's an elderly Sith apprentice, apparently. Or it's an elderly Sith. Um, and then it, it's got like a really cool, like that design of the, the witch, the ghost thing. Uh, when it's in like it's, scratched like paint like pencil scratching design that's really cool and then it turns out that the uh the voice in the necklace that is to be communicating with a sif and they needed to basically she kills the ghost because she gets the lightsaber and kills the ghost um and then it turns out that the person who was communicating with them was a sif lord and then it's like you need to come with me uh, and I'm going to train you and you need to leave your friends. And so the little girl does. And you're like, oh, yeah. I was like, oh, okay. I, I was expecting either her to not leave her friends and say, oh, no, I have my friends. But she's like, nah, I'm going to abandon my friends. Um, And then, yeah, and now she's going to become a Sith Lord. So I'm like, that's pretty cool. I like that they do. This is what I think I like about Star Wars Visions is I can't predict what the plot's going to be. Or like the ending's gonna be, because they can do whatever the fuck they want and it does not matter. They could kill Darth Vader in one of these, and you'd be like, "Oh shit!" Because these are all non-canon and they don't matter at all. Uh, they they can do whatever they want, and they don't have to make it tie into the canonical Star Wars thing. And so you can have episodes where you're like, "Oh yeah, two Siths fighting, and they they kill each other, and it doesn't matter, and that's it." Or you can have it where the the there's a little girl and she now is being trained by a Sith. And you're like, oh, okay. I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting her to do, like, turn to the light side. Um, and then you can have episodes where they're, they're just doing a race in a school. And you're like, okay, that one I know the ending's going to be. They're going to win because they're going to overcome the bully parent and the bratty child. But, like, I didn't expect them to have a bra fly down from the sky uh and i feel like this is this really should be the way that marvel does um what if because one it is so interesting to see different art styles every time uh rather than the same art style for what if because what if i was like oh okay that art style really isn't that good it's and I feel like what they should just do is rather than have one studio and then a bunch of stories written by the same people going, hey, look, this is what we're going to do. They should just do what they do for Star Wars Visions and just give it to a bunch of studios to tell their own story and how they want to do. What if what if Captain America decapitated Iron Man at the end of um, Civil War? 
what are the repercussions of that? And then have a dark story or like a light story or whatever. Because this is just a really cool, interesting way of showcasing like stuff in the world. Uh, what else? So that was Screech's Reach. Episode three was In the Stars, where you... I like this art style. I didn't love the characters. Um, but you had two sisters who their home planet was basically conquered by the Empire. And they started polluting the planet. And the planet was like a, a planet that was really... It's an environmental message in like how you don't pollute the planet. And then they start stealing all the water. And now the little... the the kid and the and all the parents are dead and they're the last two survivors on this planet because the parent of them tried to fight the empire and died uh and the mom was force sensitive so the kids are going to be force sensitive um and so then they what are they trying to they 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 break into the thing to get water or the older sister does and telling the little sister hey stay there and the little sister's the rebellious one who doesn't want to listen and wants to fight and the other one's defeated and whatnot and then it's like oh no you gotta go save your sister and I was, uh, and then the, the, yeah, it was fine. I liked it. The, I liked the, the, the storytelling through the stars of like the handprint where they just have all the handprint um, art come up. That was cool. That was a good episode. We've talked about I Am Your Mother, so that was episode four. Uh, Journey to the Dark Head. During, yeah, so this one is uh, an adolescent monk named Ara believes that the statues on her home planet whose stones are around its base have foretelling abilities controlled both light and dark um and so she goes she basically leaves her home planet and goes to join the rebels or the jedis but she doesn't have force powers she's um basically a mechanic so she's working on that she requests to go to the thing to destroy the statues because she believes if you destroy the dark side statue the dark side won't exist anymore uh because the stones basically basically when the rain falls on the statues one's dark and one's light and then the stones have a a picture on like they form a picture but briefly um and then they they can basically try they 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 foresee the future or the present or the past and then these these people write down that but they don't tell anyone and this little girl basically goes no i'm going to tell people and change the future or change this course because the dark side is bad uh, so she then goes to the Jedi Council and requests to go and blow up the statues and whatnot. And the Jedi's like, yeah, sure, fuck it. But we're going to send you with a Jedi. And the Jedi is a young boy uh, who lost his master at the hands of a sadistic Sith Lord. And then he lives in fear and trauma and he's really mad and whatnot. And like the, 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 the Sith basically cut, leaves him alive and goes, we'll meet again and then you can join me. <laughs> And he's like, no, 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 no. And then so they go to the statues. They get flanked by the uh, Sif guy. And they have a big old fight on the statues. The little the girl's still going to try and blow up the statues and whatnot. And then she realizes, oh, they both have light and dark in them when the lightsabers are smashing and it's black, uh, red and blue. And she realizes the vision she saw was what's happening. And she's like, oh. And then they don't blow up the statues, but the Jedi wins, and then they they escape, basically. And then they decide to continue journeying on together. I think it was really cool. I like this one. The art style was really nice. Uh, I think this was my favorite art style of this one. Yeah. 
I liked, yeah, I think this was the favorite art style because it just, it was clean. I really liked the cleanness of this one. Uh, and I liked the lightsaber fight. It was really cool seeing the red and blue scatter around the um, statues. Then we have the Spy Dancer, which is about like a, a, a club thing, a high class club where stormtroopers frequently come in. And the primary person who's in charge is using it as a way to put trackers on stormtroopers so that they can basically tell the rebels where they are and what their positioning is and whatnot so that they can help. But they've got to basically cater to the scum and scum of the empire. Uh, so they do dancing and it's like cool i can't tell if she's a jedi like has force powers because she does a lot of like cape like floaty shit and i don't think she is because otherwise they would have like killed her so i'm guessing it's just like another thing <laughs> where she like magic or something like that that isn't the force i guess and they just kind of allow it but yeah so she has a she has a either a, a little um oh, what is it she has she has a, a a backstory where her kid gets taken by this one general and uh she then basically spots someone in that uniform uh sitting in the crowd and they 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 she basically goes look I'm going to destroy this operation to try and kill this guy uh and then they basically she basically goes to kill him and then realizes oh has a freak out you don't know why and then it's revealed like after a little fight and whatnot uh and like an escape and whatnot that she's refusing to fight as well uh this guy and you're like why why was why is this happening and then you realize oh it's the kid grown up and has been integrated into the empire and she then gives him a locket thing to basically uh because she escapes but she doesn't get a kid and then it's like well i've got leaving him confused and he doesn't know why because he does she doesn't tell him she just basically tells the story of a kid who got taken she they, the empire took her kid and by a man wearing that exact uniform and whatnot and then she has to run away and escape and then because yeah and then so he he's basically got um yeah i think this one was cool i like the dancing i like the like the plot i think it's cool and I like the other teenage character, like teenage girl in it, who's like the the apprentice. I don't know if she's the daughter. I don't think it's revealed if she's the daughter. Like she had another kid because she's a lot younger, so it could be like his her brother was the missing one. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It was it was cool. I like this one. Uh, then you have Bandits of Gloak, which I think is the one that kind of reminds me of. Clone Wars. I think this one was fine. Uh, I just don't love this art style. Uh, but yeah, it's a bunch. It's a basically a brother and sister are escaping on a train because their home is basically been ransacked by the Empire or something like that. And then they're on a train, and the little girl is force sensitive, and they the brother's trying to desperately hide that from everyone. And but she does a mistake, takes a flute out of his pocket because she wants to play the dad's flute. And then all of the, like some of the passengers spot that and tell the guards on the Empire, the clone troopers or the stormtroopers or whatever the hell they are, on the train. And then they got to escape. 
and then some rebels attack the train and then they kind of get off at the next station and then they go to a place and then this other guy turns up and goes hey look i'm i heard that there was a force sensitive person here i'm here to kill and then an old lady comes in and beats the shit out of that guy and then basically goes hey look you got to leave your brother because i'm going to train you we're going to train up you and you've got powers and we need we need you and then she leaves the flute behind that was their dad's and i'm like okay this one's fine they love lollipops and shit like that i just didn't love love it i think it was fine i think it was just like i just don't love the art style i think the art style really threw me off because it just reminded me of rebels and i'm like i don't care about rebels not rebels um clone wars then we have the pit which was pretty good i liked it it's very simple Basically, the Empire forces slaves to dig a pit to get kyber crystals. And then once the, they've found all the kyber crystals that there are, they leave the pit and the pit's massive and they leave all the slaves in the uh, pit. And that then they basically abandon it. And they basically, because they uh, scavenged the planet, they basically built a city uh, further away in the distance to to house everyone and like the social elite and the rich and everything are there. And... There's just this pit on the outskirts and they've just left all of the slaves in it. And so one kid basically climbs out with the help of this mole, mole thing, something, <laughs> armadillo. I can't remember what it was. Um, and basically like an alien, basically, and basically runs into the town to basically ask for help. And then this one was dark because basically what happens is he gets, he basically does that. He starts telling people, then the stormtroopers basically stun him and drag him back to the pit. And then they basically just toss him in there to his death. And then his little sister, or a little girl who he knows, basically um, starts... Because uh, the brother, like, follow the light, basically. And then they basically start chanting, follow the light. And then people in the city basically hear that because they're like, oh, what's this and whatnot. And then... All of the storm, they basically overpower the stormtroopers who are got like blocking them, uh, like the civilians and stuff, and then they start evacuating the pit. And then, yeah, I liked it. It was, oh uh, yeah, it also reveals that the little girl's force sensitive because she has a little kyber crystal that her brother gave her, and it responds. And basically, you can tell that she's because she holds like she forces, like hovers in her hand. I like this one. Um, I didn't expect them to kill the kid. <laughs> It's always an interesting thing when they kill a kid. It's pretty dark. Um, but yeah, they don't show it. They just, you you hear the fud of the kid falling from the hole, like the top of the hole, and everyone's shocked and like horrified. And then it's like, no, if we have to follow the light and believe that people will come save us, but we just need to make it so that people know we're here. And yeah, and then we have Ayu's song, where it's like felt puppet things. Like, not puppets, because they're not, like, it's just felt characters, basically, which I like this one. I don't love it, but yeah, it's basically a little kid rabbit thing, uh, sings a lot, and when there's kyber crystals that have been tainted by the Sith, so they're red kyber crystals, because normally kyber crystals are blue, I think? I don't know, or white? I'm guessing, I don't know. I don't know how kyber crystals work, but I'm assuming that kyber crystals are white, and then depending on the light or the dark or whatever inner channel you have, because when you touch them, they become a certain color. And so this planet is infested with red kyber crystals. And this planet has a way of 
purifying those crystals, but it takes a lot of hard work and effort and whatnot. And then this little girl's curious and wants to go and look and help and whatnot. And then she gets called by the crystals into the mines. And then she's uh, she, there was a Jedi who once helped f- healing crystals who's around. And then, um, uh, yeah, she gets the little girl gets called to the mines by the crystals and then begins to sing. And then her dad interrupts because her dad's like, oh, no, you cause problems when you sing near these crystals or, or like open your mouth around these crystals, causing the cave to basically collapse. And then the Jedi turns up out of nowhere to basically save them, but can't protect them, protect them. And then the little girl realizes she must sing again to basically purify all the crystals and stop them from violently reacting. And then the dad finally lets the little girl go with the other Jedi to be trained. And I like this one. I think it was cool. But yeah, that, that's uh, been all of the Star Wars visions. I think it was pretty good. I really enjoyed it. I hope they continue to keep making Star Wars visions because it's nice to see cool art styles, different studios having different abilities to just make stories that ultimately don't matter but can be cool in that world. So now we move on to Guardians of the Galaxy 3 where... We're basically reintroduced to our Guardians who have bought no... Well, after the holiday special where they bought nowhere, they're now building it up. Rocket Raccoon is singing and having a grand like a grand old sad sing. Peter Quill is depressed and drinking. And yeah, and then basically that shot of Peter Quill being held by Nebula as all the other Guardians walk around is the beginning. <laughs> and Peter Quill is not dead. He is drunk as fuck. Because he's sad about Gamora. And I thought that was great. And then... Oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, and then... What else happened? Um, I like that. I like that they uh, they did that fake out with the trailer. Because that's what I always like about Marvel trailers is... They just put stuff in and fake it and make it so that you don't know what's actually happening. So you can never trust the trailers. Some trailers don't. Some trailers you can basically piece together it all. But most... If it's like a big thing... They don't put stuff in the trailers that really matters or like they put like I think most of the trailers is for the very beginning. Like maybe some of the stuff is midway, but I don't think they reveal anything of the like end stuff. Uh, And then basically Adam Warlock bursts into this uh, into nowhere to basically hunt down and grab a rocket. And then because Peter was basically drunk and dumb and stupid and whatnot, because uh, he's like actually like proper depressed and whatnot, he basically isn't at full capacity, so he blames himself when Rocket gets captured. Because basically Nebula is the one who basically saves the day and stabs Adam Warlock, who then runs away and flees. Um, and yeah, so and then basically Rocket gets critically wounded and is dying, and then they have a med pack thing, and like a thing that will just magically heal you if you're like injured. And then uh, it turns out Rocket has a kill switch in him that if anything tries to save or, like, tamper with his body, he'll die. Which hasn't come up in any of the other Guardians movies, but I don't know. It seems a bit like a thing that would happen in any of the movies. But, yeah, so they they basically... Rocket's, like, lying, like basically on the brink of death for most of this movie. Uh, which I didn't see coming because I was like, oh, they're going to focus on Rocket. They're going to have Rocket be, like... The one uh, spearheading this. 
because it was like it's kind of implied in the trailers that he's gonna go meet his girl like the the otter uh character lila and it's like oh they're gonna have a big old reunion and whatnot no all of that stuff is oh yeah by the way full spoilers <laughs> i forgot about that i should put spoiler warning at the beginning if i haven't done that then yeah i'll, I'll add a spoiler warning because i did not add that yeah full spoilers uh all of those characters like lila's dead because it's all flashbacks and turns out uh the high evolutionary basically was never gonna have rocket and his friends inhabit a planet he was just basically using them as a stepping stone to his next creation which also he doesn't let have a planet because he's basically obsessed with trying to create second earth or whatever the fuck it is uh to basically house the best life forms he can create and he's jealous that rocket basically figured out at like how to fix his problem that he was having with anger off the creatures and then he wants to cut rocket's brain up and then basically is going to kill rocket grab his brain so that he can maybe put it into himself so he has the brain capacity to figure out what was wrong like no other creature he's created has that ability rocket is unique in that way and in the process of rocket basically determining oh no i need to save all my friends and get them out of here uh they all die because the high evolutionary shoots them <laughs> and then Rocket rips off his face uh, and then escapes. And that's Rocket's backstory and stuff like that. And that's revealed throughout the film. And that was fucking dark, man. Like, it gets real dark in those scenes. Like, it's a little rabbit with, like, like a big metal jaw and, like, robot spider legs. And a, hit, and a, way, a walrus in a wheelchair. Uh, and Lila's, who's a ro- uh, ro- otter with, like, robot arms. Yeah. And then they, they're like, oh, yeah, buddy, buddy, having fun. And then they just die. And Rocket's like, fuck. And that's Rocket's tragic backstory um, that's been hinted at throughout the movies. But yeah, so whilst Rocket is like comatose and we're getting all those flashbacks to that, uh, the Guardians basically discover that his body was basically created by some company. <laughs> I can't remember the name of it. Orgo Corp or something? Organ Corp? Something, something, something like that, which is the big fleshy thing in the trailer. And so they got to go there to find whether or not uh, there's a way to uh, disable the kill switch. And everyone's like, where's Peter Quill's helmet? And why is he not wearing his helmet? Um, Apparently, because of the fact that they're rushing, his helmet is in his desk and his rocket boots he doesn't need anymore. Because they've got jetpacks now that Rocket built them. And also Gamora's... Not Gamora. uh, Apparently, Nebula's arm was built by Rocket. Which is cool. Nebula's arm is like freaking powerful in this movie. Can turn into a blade, rocket, like, like it's fucking mad. It's like nanotech arm. Uh, yeah. So they basically go there. Turns out they need to break into it, so they need the help of the Ravengers. And turns out Gamora is on that ship with the Ravengers because she left with the Ravengers after, or like teamed up with the Ravengers after in Endgame. And so Peter Quill's like shocked to find out that Nebula has basically still been communicating with Gamora. And that's how that happens. Uh, what else? Oh, uh, yeah. I just I just fall back to Groot. Yeah, Groot's body is still the way it was in Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special. But Groot has sick forms. Like he has a Chimera form, which is pretty sick. And then at the very end, in the end credits... His form is cool because he's like a big, massive, fucking bulky dude now. Um, yeah. So I don't like that Guardian of the Galaxy holiday special design, but I liked all the other designs of Groot. I think all the other designs were pretty cool. 
so that's a plus. I think some. I think that the the other yeah the other ones are much better, and it's a shame we don't get to see them for longer. Uh, yeah. So they break into the the organization thing, and they basically do a little flirt heist thing, and they have some hijinks and whatnot. I think it was good. Um, Nathan Fillion's wearing a big weird fleshy suit thing. Like all of the guards are wearing like big fleshy suits, and I like the joke about because uh, <laughs> Nathan Fillion has a guy who he hates and is dumb and just says dumb things, and then Peter Quill's like, "Yeah, no, this guy, he's special." And the other guy, and Nathan Fillion goes, "Yeah, I've got one of them," <laughs> and then it's just like, "God, I fucking hate this dude," and it's just like, "Oh yeah, this is that's actually really fun. It was really funny. I like that." Uh, this film was really funny, whilst also tragic. Like it, it balances the humor, and it's not like Thor Ragnarok where it's like t- tonal whiplash. This one balances it pretty well. I don't think all the jokes land, but like, there's some good jokes in this movie, and there's some good like solid like emotional stuff. Uh, but yeah, they basically break in, find out that they basically need to get away and escape, and then they realize that there's a guy who was there who wiped the file, and they need to go and get that file from that guy who's under the high evolutionary, uh, one of the henchmen. And then they basically fly to where that guy, where the high evolutionary is, uh, which is, uh, where is it? It's on the secondary Earth planet thing with all the rabbit people and the all the furry people, <laughs> uh, where all of the creatures basically are like, oh, animals. And then they all drive like the bit, bit, but it, it it's revealed that the high evolutionary went to Earth and enjoyed like the music and the things. Oh, that's the other thing. We find out the rocket is actually from Earth because the high evolutionary basically took a bunch of raccoons from Earth and then experiments on them. So that's why Rocket is a raccoon because it, it's basically because he he was taken from Earth as a kid. Um. So yeah. Uh, so yeah, th- that's why the High Evolutionaries modeled that place on on Earth, and called it Second Earth, and filled it with animal people because he he's been to Earth before and likes the culture and stuff, but hated the humans on it and wanted to make um better stuff. And then yeah, so they basically go to there. Peter Quill and Groot go in to find the guy who has the code, whilst Gamora and Nebula no, Gam- yeah, Gamora is stuck in the ship because she doesn't care. She doesn't want to be there. She's basically been hired by the Guardians to help out, but doesn't really care about any of them because she's not the same Gamora. Uh, and then Drax is being Drax. I think this is the one that, yeah, speaking of Drax, this is the one Guardians of the Galaxy movie where I don't mind Drax since the first one. I mean, in Guardians of the Galaxy 2, he's got one good scene, but everything else I find him kind of annoying. And then I think in Invin- Infinity War... He's used well, but I still don't love his jokes. And then this one, I kind of enjoyed him. I didn't I didn't hate him. That's not against Dave Bautista. I think Dave Bautista is a really good actor, but I just don't love the character of Drax. But this one, I don't mind him. I think he's well utilized in this one because he's, he's not got not a lot to do, but he he's not horribly annoying like I found him in the past because they kind of take the piss out of him because <laughs> there's a moment where Nebula and uh, Mantis are like arguing about Drax being an idiot. And it's like, Gamora's like, not Gamora, Nebula's like, this guy's a fucking idiot. And Mantis is like defending him, but also still calling him an idiot. And it's not his fault that he's an idiot. Uh, so yeah, Rocket base, uh, not Rocket. Yeah, they've gone to get Rocket's override code thing. And it turns out the high evolutionary just basically goes, 
well, nope, I'm going to blow up this planet because they're not perfect. <laughs> and so he basically wipes out an entire human population of rabbit, like, alien uh, furry creatures <laughs> and just destroys an entire planet. Also, oh, yeah, that's the thing. Adam Warlock basically turned up with his mum who turns out to be working with the High Evolutionary. And it turns out Adam Warlock was re uh, removed from the cocoon too early so that he could hunt down. And so basically he's a man-child. He doesn't know what the fuck's going on. And he's he's learning still, <laughs> but he was he was meant to be the best, but he's been taken out too early, and now he's a dumb man-child. Um, and basically just follows orders, but does them terribly. <laughs> and he has some good bits, because I like the moment where he just melts a guy. And it's like torture him a bit and just melts this guy. And then the ladies ne uh, next to him just look terrified. <laughs> and he's like, well, what, 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 what else was I meant to do? <laughs> and it's just like, fuck. And then, yeah, they've turned up. Uh, and so his mum, the golden lady from the f second movie, basically dies. And yeah. And then, then Adam Warlock basically turns up at the end. Yeah, Adam Warlock's not super in this movie. He's kind of like secondary. He's just kind of like a, a thing to push certain characters and stuff around and then be there kind of at the end to help do stuff. Uh, but yeah, so they blow up the planet and then it's like, ah, oh, shit. Peter Quill, basically, you see the moment where he jumps out the building with that guy and it turns out that his plan to escape that was get Groot to basically turn into a glider and grab him and then glide to safety. And... All the Guardians think he's an idiot, so didn't think he'd be able to escape, so they all climb back on the ship to basically try and save him. Because <laughs> he doesn't tell anyone his plan, he's just like, trust me, I'll be able to get out. And so they're like, no, <laughs> you're an idiot. And then it's like, I like this, I like this movie as Peter Quill, because basically he's like, he's not at his best, but he's still basically, people doubt him, so he uses that to his advantage. He's like, because it's like uh, the moment where he's like flirting with the person who... To get into the sound, like the 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 system, so that he can make an announcement, and it's like, oh no no, I'm not that stupid. I just wanted to hack into your thing to get access to your um, because he he basically says, oh, can I do a speech to all the security guys because they're gonna blow up um, or like shoot all his friends and stuff. And he basically goes, look, can I use this to make an announcement and a speech to these guys so that they don't kill everyone and let us go? And she's like, yeah 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 sure. And then he's like, yeah, I'm not that stupid, and uses it to overwrite the uh, guy's suits. And I think that's clever, because it's just like, yeah, she was totally into me, but I'm not an idiot. I know how to play the situation to my to my advantage. And then he does that with the jumping out the building and escaping in the glider, on oh, glider group, basically. Um, and the, the others, uh, Nebula, Mantis, and Drax, basically have climbed back in the ship, because they they want to save Peter, uh, but Peter's not in there because no one's communicating. <laughs> and then, so they need to go back and get um, the others, because the High Evolutionary basically captures them. Oh, and also there's a bunch of kids, because all the Marvel movies seem to just have a bunch of kids <laughs> turn up to be set, need to be saved. It happened in four Ragnarok, it's happened in other ones, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> there's just a bunch of kids now. It's in Black Widow. It's just like this thing where there's just a bunch of small children that are like the plot point of like being needed to be saved or or they're being captured or something. I don't know what my, I don't know why that's a thing that I've just seen a recurrence of. Um but yeah, that's just a weird thing. And then then they basically get to the high evolutionary. 
Rocket's saved because they've got the override code because of the guy who Peter Quill jumped out the window with. And you get the moment where Rocket's about to die. He has the the Harry Potter white hallway thing, communication thing, where you're like in heaven, but you're talking to the person who you want to see. And he's talking to Lila, and Lila's like, it's not your time yet. And Rocket's like, but I want to go. And then Lila's like, no, it's not your time. You have stuff to do. And then Rocket awakens, is saved. Everyone's like, yay. But they need to go and save Nebula and uh, Drax and Mantis and whatnot. And all the kids and all of the animals and stuff like that on the planet. On the, the, on the planet? On the ship? We'll get to the planet. That's the thing. <laughs> uh, and then it's basically, yeah, we'll break in. We need a way to um, fight this guy. So they call Kraglin. Uh, and turns out nowhere is a fucking spaceship. <laughs> and yeah, they used nowhere to basically blast uh, the the high evolutionary ship and stuff and have an all out war. And then the high evolutionary's got a bunch of bird creature swarm things that he sends into nowhere and whatnot and to fight everyone. Got a weird, a bunch of weird creature things to fight. And then they have a, cool, a sick hallway fight. <laughs> When they're breaking in to basically save everyone. And then... Yeah, then they basically get... Then Rocket basically gets a moment to basically find the high evolutionary. Have a little... Gets basically beaten up and then it's like, No, I've got friends now. And then all the Guardians come in and save it. And then beat him up. And then Rocket basically... It doesn't, doesn't kill him, I don't think. But just leaves him, like, beaten. And then they basically... They they basically try and save all the kids. Basically, nowhere's docked on the plan. Uh, nowhere has been docked to the ship, and they're basic. But it's not docked, docked. But it's like they've made a little hole, and they've got to basically use Cosmo to basically keep it steady using the psychic powers of the dog, and basically seal up the the gap between the ship and the the planet so that they can basically transfer all the kids. And then Rocket goes and looks at the cages where he was captured and held, and goes and grabs all the little raccoon babies. And that's where he finds out that he was a raccoon from Earth. And then, yeah. I can't remember if that happens before. Or... No, I think that happens before he's captured by the High Evolutionary. Or, like, beaten by the High Evolutionary. And then all the Guardians come in and save him. Because I think, yeah, I think it's that way around. Um, and then he's like, no, we've got to save everyone. And they're like, but we saved all the kids. And then he's like, no, all the animals. And then you have the scene where all the animals and stuff are running and whatnot. <laughs> Uh, and then Peter Quill, everyone gets onto the thing except for Peter Quill. Peter Quill jumps, but the ship's moved, and so he's floating through space. And you think he's gonna die because his face is swelling up, and he's been in space, and he doesn't have his helmet, and the sh- the, the 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 gap's wide, and there's no ceiling yet. And Groot tries to reach out and grab him, but his things freeze and snap, so he can't grab him that way. And Adam Warlock has turned up at this point and saved people. Um, and then Adam Warlock basically comes in and swoops in and pulls him back in. Oh, because Groot saved him. Groot saved... Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Groot, Groot saved um, Adam Warlock at some point. I can't remember when. But yeah, Adam Warlock was thankful for that and then went... And then Groot says something and Rocket translates it to he did it because... Oh, it was either Drax or Rocket. One of them translates. Someone translates for Groot to basically go... Yeah, I did it just because it was the right thing to do. And then Adam Wallet returns the favor and does it. Um, and then the Guardians basically split up at the end. After all this, all of the happiness, Peter Quill's alive. 
and whatnot. No one, no one dies in this movie, which is surprising, because it really set up like Rocket dying, uh, or Drax dying, because Dave Bautista's done with it. And you could have killed Peter Quill, because that would have been the emotional core uh, of the Guardians. And if you have the him die, everyone else kind of splinters off. Uh, you can't kill Groot again, because Groot's already died in the first one, and you're like, well, he'll come back. Uh, but yeah, and then it kind of, everyone goes their own way. Rocket is now the head of the Guardians of the Galaxy with Groot, Adam Warlock, uh, Kraglin, Cosmo, and one of the little, uh, a little girl from the, the, the selection of children from the High Evolutionaries thing. Probably the one that was running in that hamster wheel. Uh, and... So yeah, he's now the Guardian of the Galaxy leader. Nebula is running nowhere with Dave Bautista's Drax because Nebula basically saw Drax as a father when he was helping look after the children. And it's like, I need help here because I... Basically, they had a whole thing where Nebula doesn't like Drax because he's an idiot and doesn't see him for what he what his purpose is. Um, and she goes, you're not a destroyer, you're meant to be a father, which was nice. Uh, Mantis has realized that because she's always been doing what other people tell her to do and all the other guardians seem to hate her she's like well i'm gonna go away um and do stuff on my own because i've never done that before and she's got an army of those weird tentacle things from the second movie that she basically saved nebula and drax from because she was like no i don't want to fight them because they they eat batteries they don't eat humans they they only want to fight because they're scared and so she calms them down and basically controls, like, controls them and whatnot. Mantis is funny in this movie because there's a moment where she basically makes a guard go, you're in love with Drax, and it's like, oh, yeah, and the Drax is just, like, so dumb with it because it, it just seems to be a regular occurrence thing that she's done. Also, she makes people dance and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, she's good. I like Mantis. Um, and then Peter Quill goes back to Earth because Mantis basically has suggested... Um, Peter Quill never had closure on Earth, and that he never went to find his mother's father, his, like, grandfather, and, like, he could still be alive, and he never went to, like, get closure on that, and then so Peter Quill ends up hanging out with his grandfather, and then, yeah, that's the, uh, the yeah, so the end credit is basically Peter Quill hang, uh, talking with his granddad and whatnot at the table eating breakfast. And then the other end credit is Rocket with the new Guardians of the Galaxy. Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, yeah. All in all, really enjoyed this. Marvel's back on top form. Fuck, that was scary. I closed everything and I was really worried I'd closed all my... <laughs> like, stopped the recording. That was terrifying. Jesus Christ. That is, f like, 50 minutes worth of recording gone and I don't want to do it again. <laughs> it's hard enough doing these on my own. But yeah. Fuck. Whew. Anyway, I'm going to stop here whilst I I don't have terrible luck and nothing shuts down. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed Guardians of the Galaxy 3. What's next? Uh, the Marvels is the next movie, but Secret Wars is the next TV show. So I'm hoping Marvel can keep the, keep the momentum of this. Also, this has really like solidified the fact that James Gunn probably is the best choice for the DC you because he can balance both the light-hearted and the dark <laughs> stuff and he's done he's proven it with peacemaker he's proven it with um the guardians movies he's proven it with um the suicide squad and like he he understands that these characters are the most important part 
And yeah, so I'm 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 hoping DC's doing some good stuff soon. But yeah, thank you for listening. And I will I don't know what's good. What I don't know what I'm gonna do for the next one. But yeah, I'll 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 there'll be another one at some point. I'll see you then. Goodbye.